everybody. Welcome to the Talking Disney podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about one of the Disney canon films each month and we let the random number generator tell us which of the films that we are going to talk about in the Disney canon of films. It's so much fun. We really love doing it. And this month we landed on Zootopia. Yay. So that's very exciting. That? <laughs> it's our last of the revival era films to get to cover on this series. We finally finished an era. It's very exciting. Yay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yay. <laughs> and I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, and Stanford is, is joined me as usual. Hi there. And I'm uh, guest speaker Matthew Klein. Yes, today we have a guest with us. He is one of our patrons of the podcast. And if you're interested in coming on the podcast, it's an opportunity that you can have if you become a patron. And so I'll put all the information in the description section if people want to check out the Patreon. It helps us so much. We so appreciate the support. And uh, and so Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for supporting the podcast. You've always left really great comments and been very, very supportive of what we do. So thank you so much. Of course. You're welcome, Rachel yeah. and Stanford. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, so why don't you introduce yourself and tell us uh, about your history with animation? You're a big, a big animation fan, big Disney fan? Yes. As a matter of fact, I am. I've uh, been a big fan uh, since I was a kid. I mean, gone to Disney World uh, several times and um, actually uh -huh. went to visit the animation studio. There were... Um, they made some of uh, Disney's animated films, particularly the three, Mulan, Lilo and Stitch, and Brother Bear. <laughs> That's yeah. right, yeah. Oh, cool. That is cool. And been a fan of animation for pretty much most, if not my whole life. You grew up watching all the Disney films? And well, films. a good majority of them. I mean, uh -huh. granted, there were a few that I didn't see until my adult years, like uh -huh. The Black Cauldron, for instance. For instance, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with Zootopia, now this was the year, one of the years where they had two uh, animated films that came out that year, and this was kind of the the one that was the less splashy one that i think they expected to maybe not be as popular as the moana but i feel like it ended up switching on them and it, it this one ended up becoming the bigger hit i mean moana was a healthy hit but i mean this one won the oscar and it kind of had all that buzz around it and i feel like that so often happens like for instance with Lion King, Lion and, King Pocahontas, and Pocahontas, right? You yeah. Know, when you get even those were different years. When you or get the, Frozen and Big Hero Six, for instance, as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. What What about you, Stanford? As far as your anticipation for this film, were you pretty excited about it? Or kind oh, of nervous, I was really or? excited yeah. about it because you know I love anthropomorphized animals, uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, I just thought this looked so promising. I can't say I really knew what to expect but but uh i th i i was very excited about it i thought it looked i thought it looked very promising i think one of my it's not necessarily my favorite disney film but i i love the aesthetic of disney's robin hood uh -huh. and just you know i don't know what it is about it animals wearing clothes 
kind of acting like people, but they all also <laughs> have the, the characteristics, you know, of, of their, their animal species as well. I, I don't know. It just totally works for me. Yeah. I, mean, I actually love Robin Hood. I know it has its flaws, but it's very nostalgic for oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my, yeah. It's one of my dad's favorites. And oh, so we nice. watched a lot growing up. Yeah. So I was very excited to see that they were doing a new anthropomorphized film. I wasn't as in love with the sloth trailers. We'll talk about that, but as it seemed like everybody else was, but nevertheless, I was still pretty excited about the whole idea of Zootopia and, uh, you know, really looking forward to looking forward to the film and what an embarrassment of riches, uh, 2016 was for animation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we, right? didn't, we didn't know how good we got it, but that was such a great year. For for animation. Sure. And Zootopia was definitely one of them. What about you, Matthew? Were you pretty excited for it? Well, when I first saw the teaser trailer on, I think it was Inside Out the year before, uh-huh. I would say maybe I was somewhat excited for it. And same could likely go for the uh, Sloth trailer that showed on movies like Good Dinosaur and uh-huh. uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. Uh-huh. But honestly, I think it wasn't until like one of the more final trailers where they had more clips of the film showing for that trailer. Yeah. I think that was really when I was really more excited for Zootopia. Yeah. That's the same with me. I agree with you that that final final trailer did a lot to get me to get me super excited. Uh, of course, I'm always going to look forward to Disney animated film, but I really loved that final trailer that they did. So what was your overall feeling about the film when you saw it and maybe even on this rewatch? What did, what do you think overall Stanford about it? I love this film and, and uh, for me, it's highly watchable and I never get tired of it. So, mm-hmm. so I was so happy when the random, random number generator, <laughs> I know, finally <laughs> picked it. And then, you know, we got, then Maddie, you know, got to join us too, to talk about it. So, uh, all uh sweetness and light from me on this Uh what did you think matthew of it did you like it a lot at first or were you kind of mixed on it what did you think honestly well let me put it to you guys this way i was expecting that maybe i would definitely enjoy it but maybe not as much as i would as much as say lion king or frozen or something like that or Uh even more so however after hearing so many great things about it from other people uh, before I went to go see it like about a month, month and a half after it was first released, uh-huh. I was definitely curious to see if my expectations would go up and beyond. And surprisingly, after I finally saw it in theaters, I would say I liked it much better than I thought I would. In yeah. fact, it's definitely one of my favorites. So much so that I've ranked it pretty darn high, and we'll definitely mm-hmm. talk about that towards the end. Yeah, I really loved this film. Uh, I saw it, I think, four or five times oh, yeah. in the Same theater. Yeah. Oh, very it was, cool. It was a movie that I kept wanting to bring people to. You know, I think I, I went and saw it with maybe with my friend Jen. I went and saw it with, I think I took my nieces at one point. I went to the screening and then I went once by myself. I, I mean, I, I know I saw it a bunch of times and uh, I don't even know maybe if you and I went and saw it together. I think that was right around when we started to become friends. Yeah. Stanford. Did we see it, Rachel? We might have, huh? I feel like we did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I just 
really loved it. And I, I felt like a lot of the criticisms that it received were, I mean, it was mostly well loved and it's not perfect movie or anything, but, but I felt like the people that were mixed on it kind of wanted to be something that it's not to me. It was so refreshing to go and see like a classic fable that you used to see from Disney all the time where we're teaching a strong lesson and like any fable, there's going to be sort of plot holes and that this is a a fable for children to teach them a lesson about exclusion and uh, how we treat people. And uh, it's not meant to be, uh, I don't know, like it's not meant to be this perfect parable it has some holes in it, but I think it's it's fine. It's its core message is what's the most important part about it. And I just love Judy as a character so much. Oh, agreed. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. So um so it starts out with this play where you get the background of the world of Zootopia with the prey versus the predator. And this is where some people will start to Uh, nitpick i think the movie because the whole analogy to our modern day world doesn't a hundred percent work but again i i feel like it's overall the message is pretty simple and so like i'm not saying don't overthink it because i hate when people say that but i think it's supposed to be a fable for kids to teach them a simple lesson it's not meant to be this sort of deep treaties that works out perfectly because obviously if you're talking about if you're comparing it to race relations then it doesn't make sense to have like are black people supposed to be the predators in this world are they like secretly savages it doesn't really make sense that's why you have to kind of step back and look at it from a from a child's perspective Mm -hmm. of what it's teaching children totally do you agree stanford Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things I found so fascinating about this film, I guess, was number one how surprised I was with the theme of the movie. You know, because you, yeah. you don't get you, you don't see any of this in, in any of the trailers, you know, the teaser stuff that we got. And so when the movie was, you know, I was watching it for the first time, my jaw was just dropping. I mean, in, in a good way. You know, but I was just like. I can't believe they're doing this. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, again, all, all happiness from, from me. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just really surprised. And I feel like they did it in a way that is very sort of natural for, again, for telling a fable to a child, for telling a story. And if you think of like Mother Goose stories or other kinds of simple fables where there's a simple lesson for a child. I think this is something that you really see in, uh, in Zootopia. And I, I appreciate that, that they, they told the story, but they didn't feel a need to, I feel like for the most part, they were satisfied to tell the story to children that this was not trying to be a, film for adults uh and to teach right you know that yeah i just appreciate that i feel like this was very lovingly made and uh and it it could have been obnoxious and i know some people think it's too heavy-handed with its messaging 
But again, I feel like that fits for you when you're thinking of it as an Aesop fable or Mother Goose fable, that kind of didactic story, then I think it, it works quite well. Totally. Yeah. I mean, especially since like Judy, especially along with some of the other characters in the beginning are seem to be developed pretty well, you know? Yeah. And if anything, I feel like this film has only grown more relevant, more, (laughs) I mean, especially with, I mean, especially if you want to have conversations with your kids about the police and about, you know, all these topics that have become so important in 2020 uh, that you can then, you could watch this movie and have so many valid uh, and interesting conversations with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, uh, you know, she says that she wants to be a police officer to make the world a better place. And like I said, that kind of, it's an interesting thing now when you have the whole defund the police and the whole uh, kind of a, a thing that I think as a parent, you could talk to your kids about when law and order is done correctly and when it's not and what we can learn from Judy. Would you agree with that, Stanford? Oh, you know, definitely. I think it's it's amazing how timely uh-huh. this film is. And in fact, frankly, I think it's going to be quite timeless, at least for you know the foreseeable future, just because of its social messages that it gives, not only about prejudice, but now with you know with so much focus on police officers and how they operate. I mean, yeah. Who the fuck? And and would the Disney artists have even known that? You know? Yeah, no way. Uh, So originally, when they were when they were creating the film, the it was going to be about Nick Wilde, and then Judy was going to be a supporting character. But as they worked on it, they eventually changed it and decided that the it would be more engaging to have Judy being the lead character. And uh, so I think that's pretty interesting uh, that they made that that big change uh, to the in the planning stages. And I mean, there's sometimes when you have criminals being your kind of lead character and that can work. But and Nick's certainly sort of charming enough to make that work. But uh, what do you think, Matthew, of Judy as our lead character? Honestly, I think it was a great idea for the writers to um, make her the lead character. I mean, especially since Judy Hupps seems to ultimately be a great uh, role model, so to speak. I mean, Uh for instance, she has big dreams. And um, remember around the beginning where her parents mentioned that there has never been a bunny cop on the force. And um, she says, "Okay, I'll just be the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah she doesn't let it stop her and in you know and when Gideon bullies her at the beginning and she says you're right I never give up which is a great message for for well that for and um, Judy's not afraid to be the first bunny cop you know that's right, right. she's yeah. so undaunted isn't she she's just yeah she's just not gonna let anything get in her way mm-hmm. amen to that yeah yeah and I think that Jennifer Goodwin is the perfect person to play judy hops i think her vocal performance is so good oh me too yeah and just think jennifer goodwin um played snow white and once upon a time um so much early before this movie came out yep and even in that 
show, her character has got kind of an innocent sweetness to her. And I think that that voice really just works so well for Judy, that she has sort of a naivety, but in a sweet way about her. She's plucky, a plucky voice, an innocent voice, a sweet voice. I think it was really good choice. Agreed. And I, I think Jason Bateman is was also brilliant. As Nick Wilde, yes, most definitely. Yeah I, yeah, I think so too, yeah. We also, we get this opening officer training <laughs> montage, and I kind of love that whole scene. <laughs> it's like... Oh, me too. Each of the each of the obstacle courses and, and it's like the commander, whatever, you're dead. <laughs> I think you're dead. I know, right? I love that. I think that's really funny. What do you think, Matthew, about the mammal inclusion initiative in the in the movie? This was during the montage, right? Well, yeah, and so the whole idea is that there's this mammal inclusion initiative that they are trying to make the force more diverse instead of only being these big, big predators. And so they they have this initiative to bring in these smaller animals. And I think it's really interesting because obviously you could compare this to things like affirmative action and other programs that help to create more diverse applicants to colleges and other programs and some people will say well that's you know that's not fair the people that are the best should get those opportunities but the problem with that is that the, sometimes the people that are the best because of because of racism and, and and exclusions don't get those opportunities but i don't know i thought so i thought it was interesting kind of what they're trying to say with this mammal initiative in the movie yeah that was very creative and clever, for sure. What do you think about it, Stanford, as far as that? Well, you know, again, just just a way that they're talking about these social issues that we're all having to deal with uh, and presenting it in an interesting way, which I think, personally, I, I don't feel Zootopia is heavy-handed. I can understand why some people might criticize it as being that. Yeah. But I, I, I like, because they, they, they address things. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they give it a name. Rather than just hiring judy in they kind of explain why how, you yeah. know, how she got this job and again it doesn't affect her as far as you know her her ability to persevere well yeah and they it. don't make it super easy for her she's not she's not a mary sue kind of character no not at I, all i mean she uh, she has to work really hard uh and the chief bogo doesn't give her any help at all no so i liked how um while she's doing the obstacle courses and she's failing pretty much every time. Uh-huh. You're dead. You're dead. Isn't that what he keeps telling her? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone's telling her to basically quit and go home. And she's willing to drown out the voices of the naysayers, so to speak, and yeah. work much harder to make sure that she accomplishes her goal in, in the end, you know? Yeah. So then we get the montage of Judy going to Zootopia and she puts on Try Everything from Giselle, voiced by Shakira. And I mean, I, I think the world building, as much as I love Judy, and I really do, the world building is probably the strongest aspect of this movie. I oh, mean, talk about beautiful animation, too. Oh, the animation yeah. and each of the lands. And I, I wish that we could have almost spent more time in each of these lands because they're so beautiful. Uh, but I love this opening montage of her 
on the uh, tube and you see all of Zootopia. And I love that. I think it's so beautiful. I love that sequence too. Me three. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I'm with you. I, it's almost like we just don't get enough of all the different neighborhoods, you know, of, of, of it. Uh, it's, it's a fun way to introduce it. And such a catchy song to Shakira really, yeah. <laughs> really delivered on that one. She's not my, my favorite singer. No, but... mine either, but I just thought it really worked. Yeah. And I love that they integrated her as a character. I know we'll probably get to that too. Yeah. <laughs> but <'Cause> I, <laughs> she's a, she's a gazelle. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what uh, what gazelles sound like, but I think it was a pretty brilliant choice because I, her voice is very unique, and uh, and so I think it was a, a good choice. And uh, I am so envious of over in Shanghai, Shanghai Disneyland. They are going to be doing a Zootopia. Yeah, they're building land. a Zootopia land. Are you serious? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And and they haven't announced much about what the attraction or attractions are going to be, but but I that's going to be pretty fun. Yeah. Supposedly it's coming out next year. We'll see if yeah, that yeah if it got know, delayed happened. or what's going on. I I know all those big capital expenditures. I think Boom. all of have been I know kind of delayed or canceled. So yeah. fingers crossed. Right, but it would be incredible to go see. Do you have a favorite of all of the lands? Uh, Stanford, you have one in Zootopia. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I actually I don't. <laughs> I think. Well, I guess I I'm kind of fond of Little Rodentia just because of that great scene, you know, uh-huh. in, in it. But I like them all. Yeah, I, I think they're I, all pretty, all really cool. I think the Little Rodentia is probably my favorite as well. Yeah, because of that scene, and yeah, I don't know. It's just so fun. It <laughs> is. It's it. so fun. Oh, for sure. So creative. So clever. And you can tell that Byron Howard and Rich Moore that they both had Simpsons backgrounds because yes. uh, there are so many signage jokes. I know, right? Utopia, where uh, I mean, I I should have written them down uh, in my notes, but they're pretty much every sign that you see is some kind of pun about either making fun of a kind of a joke about disney or a joke about you know whatever it is the store is or the or the sign and that's a totally a simpsons thing you know they'll have the characters walking uh and they'll be uh, like marquees and signs and other things yeah. like that a lot of funny sayings and stuff so you can see their their background i think coming through and uh yeah but i really do enjoy the the rodentia i think it's really fun I would say probably my favorite world in Zootopia would probably be maybe Tundra Town yeah. or even um, the uh, Jungle Place. I love uh-huh. that Jungle Place with that yeah. Skyway you know, transportation yeah. system that goes through the treetops. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. It's yeah. so cool. They also have the one point where I do think it was a little heavy handed was when Klauhauser greets Judy and he calls her cute. And she says, a bunny can call others bunnies cute, but when other animals do it, it's not allowed. I thought that was a little much. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that it is good to have a conversation with children about the labels that we give people and using inoffensive words. But also, 
I also don't really like the idea of sort of over policing people's words too. Uh, and I don't know, that wasn't my favorite of all of this kind of messaging that they had. I felt like that one was a little cringy. If I, I was going to say is, are we to assume that cute is considered racist in this movie? Yes, definitely. That's what sure. I thought. Yeah. Oh, I, I viewed it as, as sexist. Oh, okay. But uh, she says that other bunnies can call bunnies can call each other. So I thought they were like, I thought it was basically like a commentary. It's on something probably like more that. racist. Yeah. Given this, but I, I was just thinking, you know, what would, if someone was calling someone from, you know, the opposite gender cute. Oh, or something, that, yeah. That might, that could also be offensive if it was, if it was not a compliment that they wanted to receive, you know? Cause I thought it was saying something like the N word sort of like, you can, you know, oh, the, interesting. The, yeah. you know okay. the black people sometimes use it in their songs or in their, things but if you know a white person uh were to use that word that is very offensive and rightfully so but yeah i mean i see your point too but that to me was a little cringy i i think everything else feels more authentic to a fable whereas this is the one time where it wasn't as authentic to the characters in the story as some of the other moments to me um uh, but yeah and claw hauser is uh yeah so fun him being yeah. a dirty guy <laughs> yeah right he's so happy and he gets the donut stuck in his neck oh yeah. that was great <laughs> that's so funny yeah <laughs> so that was nate torrance it sounds almost like josh gad to me very yeah, it does have a really kind of Josh Gad vibe, doesn't it? His I can definitely see that. Yeah, his uh-huh. vocal performance, yeah. So then we get the first meeting with Chief Bogo. He's all business. He does not care at all about Judy. And I appreciate that, that it's not that he dislikes Judy. He treats everybody with the same level of disdain, <laughs> which I think is makes him... Uh, which I think is an effective character because because that would be very patronizing. Really? Because my perspective was that maybe Bogo, since Judy was a hobby, Chief Bogo seemed to discriminate Judy while he seemed to favor the other animals on the police force, you know? Uh-huh. No, I mean, I think that he's not expected to give Judy any special treatment at all because she's smaller or because she's uh, is part of this initiative. And I think that he expects he kind of resents the fact that people expect him to treat her differently. I don't know. What do you think uh, Stanford about cheap? I think you both bring up really good, um, good points. Cause I I do feel like Bogo kind of treats everybody with just because he's all, he, you know, he's all business and he's a tough boss. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel like the only thing for Judy is that he's not necessarily willing to give her an assignment that's worthy of her. However, though, she's new, new, though, you know, and I think we could all probably relate to like when you're the new kid on the block, you're often going to get the crappy (laughs) job, you know, the crappy assignment until you can start proving yourself and earning, you know, earning a relationship of trust with with uh, your superiors. But but yeah, I I hear what you're both saying for sure. I think he would do that with anybody. Yeah, I do, too. And so he's going to treat everybody the same. Of course, you've got the elephant in the room. <laughs> Francine. Yeah. <laughs> and- <laughs> that's, that's a Simpsons kind of pun, too, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of, in a way. Uh- 
So Judy goes out and is giving out tickets. That's when she first meets Nick Wilde and we get the hustle where he is purchasing a giant popsicle from the elephant stand and then he's making smaller popsicles and then selling the popsicles as redwood and <laughs> um Matthew what do you think of Nick's hustle? Well, I was going to ask in I'm the only one who found it a little strange that Nick doesn't seem to have even a little bit of a change of heart in the beginning when Judy is basically standing up for him and that uh, smaller Fox character. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, he's a scoundrel. He's a, he's, it's all part of his hustle. He's, he's been used to, and they try to give him sort of a backstory of why he is so cynical so bitter that is true later on we do hear about well, that yeah. that's true. foxes really have kind of a bad rap socially right too yeah I mean, as far as, in this film yeah, yes they certainly yeah, do the and the last person that he's going to feel sorry for is a uh is a cop especially and one that he sees is oh you know you hear the big story that's like a rabbit <laughs> you know kind of a thing and i i think it's really fun the whole hustle i really enjoy it and i love I love when uh, Judy comes home and I think it's probably one of my favorite jokes of the, of the movie when she plays the radio and you hear, uh, you hear everybody hurts. Everybody That's hurts all by myself. You can't do nothing right. I'm a loser. It's so good. I also love the neighbors next door. Oh, I do too. The neighbors are so classic. Turn down that depressing music. Another, <laughs> leave her alone. <laughs> leave the meter maid alone. <laughs> she she said she feels like a failure. Yeah. And and then she talks to her parents, and of course they're very excited that she is a meter maid because that'll keep her safe. Yeah, that'll keep her safe. Yeah, I couldn't believe her parents were basically rejoicing over the fact that she was a meter maid yeah. instead of an actual cop. You know, well because that'll be safe. Yeah, I just, I just viewed it as a safety yeah. thing, okay, too. Fair, but, but I hear you, though, because, yeah, you, you'd, want, you'd kind of want them to support her dreams, right? Rather than... Rather than well, hello, yeah. yes. But I love Bonnie Hunt and Don Lake. As, oh, I do, too. Aren't they, as, aren't they terrific? Again, so brilliant fun. voice casting. Yeah, as her parents, I think, are really funny and kind of classic. I mean, it's really unique in the world of Disney animated films to have a film set in a, in the city at all. Uh, we talked about that in Big Hero Six. Oh, for but, sure. But most Disney films are are in the country or yeah. have an urban environment is very unusual. Yeah, this urban environment, and you know, Judy's got both parents. True, which Good which point. is not something that we see a lot in Disney, yeah, Disney yeah. films too. We- more often than not to have like just the one parent right. or something or we start off with two parents and then one of them gets killed off later on or even yeah. both of them in some rare cases yeah, you know exactly. yeah. but not this time uh, yeah so the next day is when judy ends up chasing weaselton with the crocus bulbs and uh, i love this chase and one of my favorite things about the chase is and about this film is i like how they kept all of the animals to scale Yes. Which is not the case in Robin Hood. Like, right. Oh, for sure. Everybody's kind of the same scale. Yeah, yeah everybody's about the same. Like they have a, a chicken being about the same size as a rhino yeah. you know, in Robin Hood. Where here, you really feel Judy being small through the whole thing. Yeah, I love it too. And I, and I love how they designed the environments to match 
the different sizes of animals, yeah. you know, I thought yeah. that was so clever. At one point in Rodentia, she's basically kind of using the rodent cars as as skates. As kind skates. Of. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah. Something else I'd like to point out is um, I like how when Weaselton is running past Judy, when she's banging her head on the wheel and she's like, I am a real cop. I am a real cop. And the pig owner of the flower store comes out and he's like, hey, buddy. My store has been robbed. Look, he's getting away. Well, are you a real cop or what? And even though she's technically a meter maid, I like how she's willing to just do her job and have her chance at being a real cop, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so great when she, yeah, when that clicks in Judy and she starts running after him. And that's really fun to see that in her character, you know, that she's actually getting to do what she had been dreaming of doing, finally. Yeah. And then she saves we find out later is uh mr big's daughter <laughs> from giant donut from the, do- from the giant donut <laughs> oh which reminds me you know how um when uh, she catches up to duke weaselton it looks like she's uh hitting weaselton with the giant donut did either of you think that she was actually hitting him with the donut or would you predict that she actually was just putting it over his body and whatnot that's a good question. I mean, I think she was just trying to capture him one way or another. I don't know. Do, what do you think, Stanford? I know. I'm just trying to think, too, what, what what my impression is in that scene. I, I think I'm just mostly, I'm laughing so hard at that big donut because, yeah. you know, I've right. seen that, you know, in, in Los Angeles. You know, I think the one right. that it's based <laughs> off of, they're at Randy's Donuts or whatever it's called. I, you know, if I'm calling uh-huh. it the right name. But uh, anyway. Um, good, yeah. good point though yeah so then she goes in uh, the uh, chief bogo is upset with her and he says life isn't a cartoon musical where you sing a little song and your insipid dreams magically come true so let it go and uh, <laughs> that was so great the let it go reference to frozen yeah. <laughs> it was it was funny but i do have to say that's not accurate at all to Frozen. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, it's not <laughs> true. I mean, it's true. A, that is not what happens at all with with Elsa. Elsa sings her song, and it is by no means her dreams don't come true after singing the song. Uh, and so, it's a jab at it's Disney trying to make fun of itself. But at the same breath, I'm kind of like, well, that's not really accurate to the to the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I give him a little bit credit. Disney is not always the best company as far as parody, uh, but Making I think they were tried. Maybe not. Yeah, uh, they tried in this one uh, to have some moments. I appreciate that. Um, and so Emmett Otterton has disappeared, and Judy agrees to find him, and this makes Chief Bogle very upset. And he gives her forty-eight hours, or she is done. And, uh, yeah, so here she goes on her first case and she goes and finds Nick and she hustles him, uh, which is a fun moment. I think. Did you like that Stanford? Yeah. I like that too. I like how Yeah. yeah that was great. Nick. Don't you <laughs> yeah. love that carrot pan? That little recording. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I right. Yeah, I love the carrot pan. I'm like, I want one of those. I know. Seriously. And- yeah. Me three. And that, yeah. uh, 
his Nick's friend who's like, have fun working with the fuzz. So they go to the, to the naturalist club and they're called mystic Springs. Oh. <laughs> and uh. this, this is definitely one of the funniest parts of the film. Yeah. <laughs> that she's scandalized. Uh, the, the idea with them being naked and he's like, you know what I think's weird? Clothes on animals. <laughs> Which is true when you think about it. So, like, it's interesting how Nick is like, you know, if this makes you uncomfortable, there's no shame in calling it quits. And she's like, yes, yes, there is. Yeah, and he's like, like wow, Nick, that's the spirit. Like, it's good that Judy is willing to get into uncomfortable situations like that if, again, it helps her accomplish what she needs to, you know? Yeah. I know, and she's not going to give up. That's what we know about her. Uh, so then he takes her to the DMV, and this is, of course, the scene was kind of spoiled in, I mean, not kind With of. With the trailer. Spoiled in the trailer. Yeah. Um, what did True. You, what did you think about that, with having the sloth trailer at Stanford? What did you think? Oh, I loved it. I, mean, I thought yeah. it was hilarious. And I liked it, too. Then when the actual scene showed up, you just you, you kind of knew what was going to happen because you had seen it, but then just seeing within the context of the film, it, you know, for me it worked because I thought yeah. it was a really hilarious gag. I mean, sloths running the DMV. Come on, I mean that's just <laughs> you know that's yeah. comedy comedy gold. Oh, without a doubt, and, uh, I just it totally worked for me. I don't know if uh, Byron Howard or Rich Moore were involved in this particular. There's a great Simpsons joke where. Uh, <laughs> what they say they have Thelma and Patty uh, Selma and Patty working at the DMV and they say to to Bart some days we don't let the line move at all we call those days weekdays <laughs> <laughs> I think there, there's some uh, <laughs> and so it was actually funnier to me as a the scene within the movie i always find it a little weird in trailers when the trailers are basically a scene from the movie we saw that in line yeah in, in, in some different movies and it can be effective but i don't know it's just like a like i want to get an overall feel of kind of what i'm going to be watching as opposed to just one scene in a movie a trailer oh same here but uh but i so once i saw it within the film i actually thought it was a lot funnier oh i would definitely agree with you on that rachel most definitely yeah and so they end up taking the whole day and of course you have nick's joke about a three-humped camel (laughs) what do you call (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's just so juvenile and it's so funny it's funny like after he he says that joke, the sloth just like slowly opens his mouth and smiles, and then slowly laughs. <laughs> I also like when when it's when they go outside and it's dark, and Judy says, uh, "It's night." Yeah, it's night. Yeah, and she says, "Does seeing me fail make you feel better about your sad, miserable life?" It one hundred percent does. <laughs> That's- what Nick says, which makes me laugh. I thought that was funny because uh, he's so sarcastic, and that that's funny to me sometimes when people are sarcastic. You think he was uh, 
uh, joking around about the it does make me feel 100% better or something like that. Yeah. Oh. I think it's just being kind of sarcastic and a punk. I don't think it's funny. Yeah. But anyway, then they go and they find the driver that was last seen with uh, with Emmett. And they uh, they find out that it's associated with Mr. Big. And I love this whole, this is my favorite part of the whole film. Is Mr. Mr. Big. Big. I mean, come so on. It's so funny. <laughs> and, you know, as I was watching this too, I just thought, I cannot believe we were seeing like both an homage and a parody of The Godfather in a Disney oh. animated film. I know, right? <laughs> and they pulled it off as far as I'm concerned. I thought they yeah. pulled it off. This is the part, like, I think the fable part is for the kids. This is the part that's for the adults. For the adults, That yeah. are there with the kids, because they won't understand it. They won't get it. They haven't seen The Godfather. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just, it's really funny. I mean, the, the wedding. <laughs> it is with Mr. Big being a shrew. <laughs> yeah. The wedding is so similar to the wedding in The Godfather. And, oh, yeah. Uh, they, just the way that it might as well be Brando. Boy. Oh my stars! <laughs> that I love that whole scene, and uh, that's so funny and well done, and voiced by Maurice Lamarche, and as Mr. Big, oh yeah, and he did a great job. He's so funny, I think, especially with his daughter and everything. It just looks like oh, definitely. <laughs> you yeah, you weren't gonna ice anybody on the wedding. <laughs> I have to, baby. Daddy has to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just curious, if it hadn't been for any of us seeing the final trailer for Zootopia, would either of you suspected Mr. Big to be one of the polar bears? Well, I think that's part of the joke. Uh, yeah, right. no, I agree with you, though. Exactly, because uh, that's what you're totally expecting, right? Is that he's he's going to be one of these big, big creatures, and that he's Right. the small but <laughs> i had read something and maybe you both have heard this too that you know i think the animation team was trying to find a very small animal but it's also really mean you know just just by nature and yeah. and uh oh yeah and I think that's why they went you know with the, with this particular choice for mr big and it's funny it's funny so then we find out about the night howlers and uh we find out that emmett had become savage so they go to the rainforest and they see another, uh, this Manchas. Mr. Manchas, yeah. Yeah. That he yes, the Jaguar Panther, something like that. Yes. Yeah. And I really think this whole section has a great crime noir feel to it. Oh, yeah. It feels like. A, oh, a, without a doubt. Yeah, like a Humphrey Bogart kind of movie or something. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's really fun. And so Nick actually starts to defend Judy. So you get to see that he, she's warming up to him. And uh, he's getting more invested, which I like. Which I would like to ask, um, would you say he, Nick, starts to have a change of heart because of Judy um, saving his life during that whole sequence with running away from Mr. Manchas? Yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's what, when Nick starts to trust her. And that's, you know, right after that is when he really opens up to her. Yeah. Yeah, good point. He starts standing up for her and Yeah. yeah, for sure. So then they end up getting to this facility and they see 
all of these animals that are locked up in these cages. And then we see that Mayor Lionheart is there. And I, I think that if I had never seen any other Disney films, I would have bought the fact that Mayor Lionheart was the villain. But because they've done this surprise villain so many times, it wasn't as effective as it would have been. But certainly for kids and stuff, it's it's pretty effective. The surprise. Would you say? Would you the agree, spo- Amber? The spoiler alert of who the real villain is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, they've done so many of these villain reveals that they lose some of their power, in my opinion. So they catched Mayor Lionheart. We get to this point where there is this press conference, which is pretty important to the movie. And Judy's nervous. And she's just told Nick that she wants him to be on the uh, force with her as a partner. And then they start asking all of these questions. And that's when she says, well, it's part of their biology as predators and uh, that it's something in their DNA that is making them do this. And Nick is very, very offended by this. And And he says, so there's a them now. And she says, you're not the kind of predator. And she says, I am the kind of predator that you need fox repellent for. And he says, are you afraid of me? And so they have this. What did you think, Matthew, about that? About Nick being offended at what Judy said? Do you think Nick was likely overreacting to that? Or do you think he had a right to be upset with Judy for what she said in the press conference? Um, I can see both sides. I can see both sides. I do think... They had they had a friendship, so him being instead of accusing her, he might have had more of a conversation with her since they'd become friends. But I also can understand, especially because she had just said that so publicly, him being offended. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Sanford? Oh, you know, I, good points that you're bringing up. I thought that Judy, I think she, she was not acting out of bad intent, but it's a negative thought process. You know, I mean, it was not a good place where she was coming from. Or, or not, it's not a good mindset. And uh, I could see why Nick would be so offended by it. Yeah. Same here. So it sets off this whole feeling of fear. And division with the prey. Right. And yeah. And definitely after 2020, I think this whole sort of climate of fear and quarantine and other things ends up happening. Definitely rang true to me in a way that I never thought about before. Oh, watching yeah. Watching it. I know. There's- yeah for sure so judy quits the force she's she's given a chance to have a promotion but she quits because she doesn't want to make predators feel that way she goes home and she realizes that because gideon has reformed she realizes what the night howlers are and that it's it's not the predators it's that anybody even her uncle that her mom talks about that went crazy with the night howlers uh, that anybody can can go savage, even the bunnies. So then she goes, and <laughs> I like it. Her dad says that makes me feel better. I thought she was talking in tongues or something. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I know>, right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when we get Judy's apology and uh, to Nick, and I think it's uh, so sweet. I, I love mean, that scene. Yeah, it's probably it's another one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Just curious, both of you have seen The Greatest Showman, have you not? Uh-huh. Yes. Um, did that a reconciliation scene in The Greatest Showman, you know, towards the end, kind of make you think of this reconciliation scene in uh, Zootopia? 
Well, that's a um, good question. No, I never thought it. I must I'm say, I never thought sure of that. I'm not sure if I made the connection because I was probably just so wrapped up in uh, what was going on. With the... Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. What did, did you think about it, it while watching the movie, Matthew? What, what was your take? Yeah. I mean, obviously, when I saw Greatest Showman, when that came out, what, a year and a half, almost a couple years after Zootopia, it kind of made me think of uh, this reconciliation oh, scene. Interesting. Yeah. And with like with both of them being heartfelt moments and whatnot, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, she says, "I know you'll never forgive me, and I don't blame you. I wouldn't forgive me either. I was ignorant and irresponsible, small-minded, minded. But predators shouldn't suffer because of my mistakes. I have to fix this, but I can't do it without you. And after we're done, you can hate me, and that'll be fine because I was a horrible friend, and I hurt you." And you and you can walk away knowing you were right all along. I really am just a dumb bunny. So- and then Nick records that afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love how Nick records it. And I also love how they designed that scene, how Judy puts her head kind of into his chest and just, you know, that's <laughs> how she's yeah. just acting so penitent and just, just yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I just, it's so good. Oh, you bunnies are so emotional. <laughs> okay, so then we get the Duke of Bootleg with Weaselton's back with his bootleg. And of course, it's kind of, it hurts my heart a little bit because I know, that made me sad. We never too. even ended like, up getting. We're not going to get gigantic ever, which oh, is so, so sad. sad. Yeah. So sad. Uh, and so then Mr. Big ices Weaselton so that we find out that. Or threatens to. Yeah. And uh, and so then we find out there's this underground thing in the subway with Doug and, <laughs> and uh, with Sheep Doug uh, that's there. And then Walter and Jesse, uh-huh. which was pretty funny. Another thing for the adults, uh, because obviously breaking bad you know and again, uh, reference. I, I was yes. having another moment like like with the godfather like i can't believe there's a breaking bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. in, in a disney movie and i really don't care i think i mean i loved it you know i just thought this it was it for me it totally worked yeah and i love the whole train action set piece that happens i do too uh, it's so exciting it's really well yeah well crafted and really yeah really exciting kind of made me think of the train sequence in uh i think speed one i believe it was or something oh, like yeah. that so oh. it's, it's right oh. up there with just really a kind of a classic action movie yeah you, know? you don't see that very often in animated films no I thought they really pulled it Except off. Except no one dies this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's almost similar to like what you might see in Tintin or something like that with the action and the mm-hmm. adventure and everything. And so we find out that Bellwethers are surprise villain. Oh Ooh. my gosh, Mayor Bellwether. <sighs> and... <laughs> That's a favorite. <laughs> the, reveal, the villain reveal. <laughs> yeah. And they trick her into confessing, which is fun. And she said, I do like how they trick her. Yeah. Particularly like the homage to the beginning of the film, you know? Yeah. And she says, fear always works. Especially if you think about some of the things happening in 2020. I don't know. That also kind of hit me in a new way this year, I think. Mm-hmm. That, oh, true. Yeah. True. Uh, so then we have Judy saying, real life is messy. We all have limitations. We all make mistakes, which means, hey, glass half full. 
We all have a lot in common. And the more we try to understand one another, the more exceptional each of us will be. But we have to try. So that is basically the end of our movie. You have Nick being on the force and them finding Flash <laughs> speeding. Flash is speeding through Zootopia. <laughs> so we had a lot of great comments on Twitter uh, oh, about yeah. this. Uh, Kevin, the critic, he says, a phenomenal film whose message has only gained more importance over the years. It's also funny, creative, and energetic enough to not be too depressing for kids. Uh, Amy Cassandra Martinez, she says, I love Judy so much. I personally identify with her so much. Uh, Ronald Smith says, one of my top five favorite Disney films of all time. I love it. Uh, Milstead on movie says love it works as both an exciting animated movie for kids with an important message about acceptance. Uh, bah humbug says my favorite, <laughs> uh, absolute favorite film. It has changed my life in many ways and has inspired me to do many things. I have made friends thanks to it and the best girlfriend I could ever ask for. I have even wrote fan fiction on Nick and Judy. I love everything about the film. So that's really great. Uh, one last one. We have Rodolfo 20131 says, Ah, yes, my favorite film. I watched it for the first time on my old PC on March 8th, 2017. I've watched it 71 times. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, dang. Yeah, the that's 71st time was for International Animation Day. Wonder if I can get Disney Plus for Zootopia so I can watch it more times for the sequel. One last one, our friend Tristan on Twitter, he says, this was the film that truly made me an animation fan. A fantastic story, spectacular animation, wonderful characters, and a powerful message really makes this film as incredible as it is. In a decade filled with incredible animation, Zootopia is definitely one of the very best. So lots of love. Agreed. For Zootopia out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you colors. remember, Stanford, where you had it in your ranking? Yes, I. Um, so my ranking kind of fluctuates a bit, you know. Um, <laughs> but I have it in my top twenty. Actually, it's at number sixteen. I have it at sixteen, also in my oh, last cool. ranking. So we're. The I same. have so number fifteen for me is Mulan, and number seventeen is Big Hero Six. So anyway, oh, it's... we're so similar. I have Mulan at fifteen, and I have Tarzan at seventeen. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, How about you, Matthew? You Yes, surprisingly, I have Zootopia at, um, I believe, at number two with um, Lion King at number one and maybe Tarzan at number three. Nice. Okay. Okay. Good choices. All right. Let's figure out what we're doing next. The random number generator. This is our fate. Here we go. All right. We are doing next month Pinocchio. All right. Yeah, we finally get to talk about Pinocchio. So that will be really fun. I'm looking forward to that. And thank you, Matthew, for coming Matthew, on. thank the- you. This has been yeah, so Thank you for allowing me to come on for uh, this particular um, episode of Talking Disney. Yeah. So do you have social media that you'd like to share or anything uh, with the listeners? Um, well, obviously, there's Facebook, uh, Matthew David Klein, uh-huh. and um Twitter, um, Matthew D. Klein, and um, let's see. I think I have a new blog, give or take, uh, oh. called uh, I think it's Adventures at the Movies dot blog or something like that. Okay, well, send me the information. I'll put it in the description. That'll be fun. And Stanford, how can people find you? 
I'm on Twitter at Stanford Clark, and I have a movie podcast and blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So make sure to check all of that out. And you can follow us at Disney Talking on Twitter for the podcast. We really appreciate that. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. We really, really appreciate that. And also, if you are watching on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to Rachel's Reviews YouTube. That is very helpful as well. We also have our patron group, which Matthew, we talked about, is a member of. Yeah. And we, we are so grateful for that. Yay. We're so grateful for our patrons. You can get in our patron group and you can be part of the discussions. And it's really fun. So check that out. And then also we have our merch store where you can get hashtag animation junkie shirts and all of that will be in the description. Make sure you're also following the Hallmarkies podcast. We have lots of really great stuff going on over there. And thanks so much to both of you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you both, Rachel and Stanford. We'll talk next month about Pinocchio. It'll be great. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Thank you both. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone.